Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. It's Judd Zolgad with, as always, the side of Declan Goff. Hello, Declan. How Hi, are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. All right. So we, we of course, broke down extensively last week the plan to return to play by the National Hockey League, and nothing has changed there. We are, uh, we've got the matchups, and assuming everything can be worked out from both a health and financial standpoint, at some point in time here, we're going to be getting hockey back. So we're very excited about that. Um. And we went through that last week. So here's what we're going to do this week. All, all right? right. New, all right. new exercise. Ooh, I like it. I'm going to give you. Need exercise. I'm going, yeah, God, so do I. Oh, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, I'm going to give you six things that we should find out if and when the Wild returns to play. And right now we don't have dates, but the expectation is that they will play in what is going to essentially be a qualifying round against the Vancouver Canucks at a, a central site for the National Hockey League playoffs. Okay. Okay. Six things that we should find out. And I'm going to, to give you the headline and a few thoughts. And then I want you to react uh, with your either agreement, disagreement, your thoughts. Okay. Number one of the six is Dean Evason, the guy. So, so Dean took over for the uh, fired Bruce Boudreaux, went eight and four. The Wild, I will give him credit. I think we can all, all agree just from watching them play. They played a faster tempo game. They weren't. They didn't play as timid as if, oh, my God, if we make a defensive mistake, we're all going to be screwed and we're all going to get benched. They definitely changed their style of play. That being said, uh, Dean Everson had been the longtime coach before last season of the AHL Milwaukee Admirals, which is the affiliate of the Nashville Predators. And Everson was brought here and put behind the bench alongside Bruce last year by Paul Fenton. He and Paul Fenton, Dean and Paul are friends. Bill Guerin inherited Dean, didn't fire him, and then promoted him to the interim coach. And he has done a nice job. But let me just quickly tell you why I always get concerned about becoming fascinated and or too excited about interim coaches. One is they ordinarily get more from their team immediately, not yes. because they're great, but because the head coach, who a lot of players, I'm not going to say they didn't like Bruce, but the change jolts them, right? Yes. And I always go back to C. Frazier Leslie, who stepped in after Childress got fired in 2010 and did a very nice job. And he did a nice enough job that he got the full-time job in 2011 
And I like Les a lot. Les is a really good guy. But I don't know that that, that the Vikings made that move having given it full thought. So, question one, is Dean Evason the guy? I think that should be answered by at least what we see, or it'll have to be, if they play the Canucks. You know, I'm thinking it's yes. I think it's a bona fide yes, he's the guy. He's the guy that will be the head coach after this plan and when when the life returns to normal. Judging by everything Bill Guerin has said about Evason and what and the job he's done in commending him, um, or excuse me, applauding him, I, I think Evason has a philosophy and the trust of players that, for whatever reason, it got stale with Bruce. And is that Bruce's fault? I don't think it is. I, I, I don't put a lot of shoulder of, of the blame on Bruce. But I do think Bruce, in a way, in a way was holding the team back from an offensive philosophy. You know, he, he, he really he scratched Kevin Fiala. He benched Kevin Fiala. Didn't like, couldn't figure out a way to get Ryan Donato. Put Victor Rask in the top six sometimes. Was that all of his decision, too? It could have been Garen as well. But I think what Everson was able to do in the short time that we, that we saw from him, you saw them be more of an offensive conscious team. And instead of just, all right, we know the Wild have good defense. Let's be a defensive sound team and make it easy on our goaltender and get in transition and score goals, use the power play, blah, blah, blah. Instead of doing that, be an offensive first team and know that you have the defense still to back you up. So will there still be a search? Will there still be some interviews? I'm sure there will. There should be some due diligence when, uh, when there's a vacancy or an intern position out there. But I think Evison is the guy. However, you bring up a good point because we saw, even with John Torchetti, Judd, the Wild, I think, won their first six games under Torch. And we all thought, oh, this is what it is. This, this is the guy. And, and he took, him to, took the Stars to six games in the first round of that series in a controversial ending. So I, I think none of us thought Torch was a lock as much as Evison was because we also knew Bruce Boudreaux was going to be basically a free agent and the Wild were going to be targeting him from the get-go four years ago. But I think I'd be pretty shocked when we opened the 2021 season, if Dean Evason is not the head coach of the Wild. I think he's gone, and here, here's why. Okay. Bill Guerin, first-year GM, extensive experience in the front office previous to this with the Pittsburgh Penguins, so he knows the league. He's got friends. Um, this would be the first move that Billy could make that would allow him to put his stamp on this team. And Dean, if Dean was his guy, I think Dean gets the job. But Dean's not his guy. They, they obviously came to the conclusion behind the scenes, and we don't know all the particulars, that Bruce had to go. I think Dean has done a nice job. Um, and if this was Fenton, Dean stays for sure. But because it's a guy who came in and now is going to have his opportunity, starting with uh, what will make up when it does start, if it does start, and I'm sure it will, the uh, 2021 season, this is going to be Bill Guerin's opportunity to really put his stamp on things. I don't think he's going to do it with a coach that he didn't hire himself to be on that staff. Yeah. Doug Waite, I think, is. And I and I have no idea. I'm not applauding it. I'm not saying Doug Waite's going to be great. But but um, Billy's friends with a guy like Doug Waite, I think it's going to be from the outside, and it's going to be a guy who Bill Guerin, when opening night comes along for next season, Bill Guerin can put his a stamp on this team and say, that's my guy. This is my team. That's my coach. So how I kind of look at it, too, is there's already been so much craziness going on in the world and with the coronavirus and the season being paused and players not being ready. I don't think Garen wants to add more change to that. So I think even though this pandemic hit and it's awful, I think that honestly helps 
Dean Evason secured the job. That's kind of how I look at it. It could be. And is that the right decision? It, it might not be. But I, I think it helps Evason get the case. I, I think if the Wild had stability right now, that you're right. But they don't. Like, there's a lot of guys who can be moved out. There's a lot. Sure. Of, there, there's This is, de- is definitely and was going to be a team in flux. And so it's got some nice parts to it right now, but it also has a lot of unknowns about it. I think if this team had stability going for it and was a playoff team and and you thought, okay, this is it, that it probably makes more sense to keep Dean around. Uh, but this is a team very much, as the world is unfortunately right now, very much a team in transition. And so I think Bill Guerin's not going to have to say, well, if I, if I you know, if Dean's gone, then uh, Kevin Fiala's going to fall apart. So you say he's the guy. I say I don't think so. But that is question one. Question two of the six things that we should find out about the Wild if and when they return to play the Canucks in a qualifying round. And I think you're going to like this one. Was Matthew Dumba's poor 2019-20 season a fluke or reality? And I looked it up again, and it is off the charts here. One statistic in particular. Matt. Dumba, when play was stopped on, I believe it was March 12th, Matt Dumba at that time for the season was second on the wild with 167 shots and he had six goals in 69 games. A 3.6 shooting percentage. The time off now, and I know that you'd be coming back for the continuation of, oh, let's let's uh, get through the playoffs here for 2019-20. But the time off here has created a clear line of that was then, this is going to be now. Matt Dumba, to me, Dex, was completely snake bit. He had, was coming off the injury from the year before in the fight against Kachuk uh, against Calgary. Does he have faults? Absolutely. That shooting percentage, though, was, was off the charts snake bit as well. Um, I think that Matt Dumba, when hockey comes back, comes back. And I'm not trying to say that he becomes a Norris Trophy contender. But I am saying I think he proves that what was a head-scratching 2019-20 was more fluke than reality. I, you got to know the enigma of shooting percentage, too, in the NHL. Like you said, when you see it's something that's that low with that quantity of shots. Right. Like Matt Dumb is averaging 2.4 shots per game in 2019-20. It's actually .5 more than he is average in his career. So he's shooting the puck at a healthy rate, but he's not finding the twine. And when it's that low, 3.6 when his career average is about eight. That tells me he's been extremely, he has had some really poor luck, like you said. Um, I also, though, don't think what he was able to do in, what was it, the, uh, the, the 50 games two years ago, or the, or the 22, uh, the, the 12 goals he had in 32 games the season before, before the pectoral injury. Right. I don't think he's that player. Like he was on pace to be a 30 goal scorer, Brent Burns type of guy. He's not that guy. I I think, to be honest, on the flip side of what we just talked about him being unlucky, I think that was him being very lucky. Okay. So where Matt Dumba falls is in the middle of that. I don't think his ceiling is what we saw before the pectoral injury, and I don't think his floor is what he was this season. Mm-hmm. He is somewhere in the middle. He's a guy that can score 15 goals for you, majority of them on the power play. Defensive faults, sure, but I don't think they're as big as they once were. And if he's paired with the right defenseman, he can bail him out a little bit. Um, I think we have. I think a lot of Wild fans have started to come around to the idea that he is not as much of a defensive liability as we think he is. But that being said, if he is not scoring, that is a problem. 
because sure. he's playing so much. He's getting a ton of money. He has to contribute. Like there's no like Jonas Brodin's mo is not scoring points and not getting goals, so he can make money and play a lot, and you don't feel as bad. Yep. But if Matt Dumba is not scoring goals and playing 22 minutes a night and getting paid six million per, yep, that is a problem. So yes, I, I think last season was a fluke, but the reality of Matt Dumba is not what you saw two, two seasons ago. I'd agree He's that. somewhere in the middle. Write this down. Okay. If the Wild comes back and, and plays the Canucks in this qualifying round, Matt Dumba will score no fewer than three goals, though. I like that. Because I think all these shots start to go in. Yeah. I do. And, and look, he was hurt. Things didn't go his way. But I just firmly believe that if he is, let's say, a 15 to 20 goal guy, defensively, those guys are hard to find. Like, those guys don't fall off out of trees, Declan. And so I, I think that he comes back and and you start to see those shots at least partially start to go in the net. Question three of the six things we should find out about the Minnesota Wild if and when they play the Canucks in this qualifying round. And I'm going to give you the headline and explain. Okay. And I think you, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. The question is, the headline is, can Devin Dubnik be your number one goaltender in 2021? So not in this playoff round. Okay, as we talked about, Last week on the show, I think it was last week, I am in the camp of personally, I'd like to see Kapo Kakinen play goal in this playoff series because to me, he, he might be your future and this would be a great time with some pressure on to find out. Realistically, they're not going to do that, I don't think, okay? I think there's no chance. So if that's the case, I need to see Dubnik play extensively and be the goaltender in this series. Um, he... He had a terrible season. He had the off-the-ice things going on with his family, and in particular his wife's illness, which was which I can't imagine trying to play goal and have my wife be sick and have kids to take care of. Um, but by the time that the stoppage came, he had firmly lost his job to Alex Stalock, who I think we both like as a backup goaltender. And I think rightfully so, Declan Goff, I think Stalock got that job. And and if if we were and if we had kept playing hockey. I think that Alex Daylock deserved to stay in the net because he, he had certainly justified that switch. He had played. I, I like how he plays. I like how he moves the puck. But Alex Daylock is a backup goaltender. And so if you're going to come back, and just for um, um, contractual status, Dumnik's going to be entering the last season of his contract in 2021. And the games against the Canucks, if you're not going to play Kokkinen, would help you decide on Devin Dubnik. I need him to play, and I need to see, I guess in some ways, like Dumba, was this past year just a really tough year in which there were off-the-ice issues, which I completely get, or is Dubnik's fastball long gone, and do I and do you need to make other plans almost immediately for 2021? So I think the question of, can Devin Dubnik be your top goaltender in the coming season? has to be answered in that series against the Canucks of, you know what, I think so, or maybe, definitely not. So I don't think he can be your number one guy anymore. Um, I think the Wild, though, will give him the chance to be the number one guy when the 2021 season starts. I do. Uh, whether he's able to play in this play-in tournament and playing meaningful minutes or meaningful moments, I guess that's TBD. But if the Wild, let's say they lose that series in five, and Dubnik played well or he didn't play well, 
Like it doesn't change really how I look at Devin Dubnik, and that's that he's probably over the hill. He's in the last year of his contract, and you need to figure out what other goalies you have that can take his place. So my blanket answer is no. He is not your guy. I still think it's it was a great trade. Um, his acquisition was unbelievable. He gave the Wild plenty of chances to be a, a force in the Western Conference. That being said, I don't see any scenario where he is getting he gets a new contract. And I'd be pretty shocked if he returned to the Devin Dubnik of old, which was a, a borderline Vesna candidate kind of guy. So let's say that he plays in the series against the Canucks. It gets played. And he plays outstanding. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that he gets a contract extension, but I do think that you could be pretty confident then going into when the next training camp starts that he is still a guy that for that season can play. And because the reality is having to turn to Staylock as much as the Wild did is not the solution. Like that's not that's not the long term, hey, let's just go through a season and flip our goaltenders, right? So if if Devin Dubnik plays against Vancouver and he plays really well, do you think that for the 2021 season only, I'm not saying extension here, that you would at least be a little bit more confident starting opening night with him in goal if you don't? Because I'm with you on this. I do not go make some major splash move for a goaltender because I don't think that the Wild is there yet. Um, But I think you at least have to, I think this playoff series, you have to play somebody who you are looking at and saying, can this guy do it enough? And I don't think Staloc's that guy. I think uh, Capo is an interesting alternative. I just don't think they have the guts to do it. So I need to see Dubnik because if he flames out again, then you got to say, whoa, 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 this just isn't going to work. And and to your point, possibly even look to make a move to get rid of that contract for the coming season. Yeah, I I think it's a foregone conclusion. It's in pencil that Dubnik and Staylock are still going to be the Wilds top two goaltenders in the next regular season, so the 2021 season. Pending a, tra- a trade, I, I just don't see how Capo makes the team out of 2021 without one of those two being moved. Um, that being said, I think because Dubnik's entering the last year of his contract, he's 34 going on 30. He just, he just turned 34 years old a few weeks ago. I don't think they're in a position to renew him, so you let him ride out, and if things go well, you move him. You move him at, at the next trade deadline. I think that would be that'd be the ideal situation. But you know, Devin Dubnik, um, like you said, he has some he had some off the ice issues with his family. That when you are not dialed in as a goaltender, and I'm not going to pretend what it's like to be going through his shoes because I I don't I couldn't fathom what that would be like. But I I just don't think that he is no long, I don't think he is the number one guy for the Wild anymore. And for right now, where the Wild are up and coming, maybe, but definitely not a powerhouse. You roll with Stalox, you roll with Kapo Kakinen, you see what you have in your future, and you let the one bees of the world, the Alex Stalox, figure it out while you try to figure out what you have in your team. All right. Question four of the six questions that I have that should be answered by a uh, playoff series or a qualifying round series between the Wild and the Canucks. Number four, is Kevin Fiala a superstar uh, breaking out, or was he just on a tear? Here are the stats. Fiala had 14 goals, Declan, and 26 points in 18 games before play was halted, and that included the OT winner against the Ducks in the final game uh, before the Wild stopped playing. He had two goals in that game. This kid, during the time period, basically, that I just uh, gave you the stats for, 18 games, looked like he was developing into not a good player, but at the age of 23, a superstar. If there was a concern, 
if there was any concern, it was that, okay, if and when he starts to cool off, is he still this player? Was this uh, an aberration of sorts or what? If you put him in a qualifying round series, and it might be short, but against the Canucks, I'd be curious to see which version of Kevin Fiala we get. How curious are you? So I don't think he's a superstar. You want to put him in the Sidney Crosby's of the world and the Connor McDavid's, even the dry sidles, right? I don't think we can put him in that yet. I just think it's too early. I don't care how well he was playing over that six, like what? It was over an eight-week stretch, and I believe he was on, if you mapped it out over 82, it was like 110 points. 14 goals, 18 games, 26 points in that time. Like, that's Crazy. that's a 100-point pace. And his skill was off the charts. Yes, and you saw it. It wasn't just like, oh, he's getting power play no. points or always oh, positioned well. No, no, you saw him yep. single-handedly take things over, which is something we haven't seen on this team since Gabrick left. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think he, it wasn't a fluke. Not to like rescind everything I just said. It wasn't a fluke what he did, but I think you saw a very good player that's probably going to be a 60 to 80 point kind of guy that is a top line player. I don't think he's a superstar. And I'd love to be proved wrong on that, that he's entering the superstar territory. That's only going to make things better for our show. It's only going to make things better for the wild. I'm, I'm, I'm all for having that conversation. But I do think he's a very, very good player. That's a top line player. And you have a 60 to 80 point guy who can take things over, but he is not part of the NHL superstars yet. I'd like to be proved wrong, but that's how I look at it. Here's my sense. Um, I think that if, if he has the confidence within within his body, he has the potential to be that. I think he's got superstar potential. But why this break is good is I want to see him now have to come back from a complete stop, right? Because we're going to find out now. We are going to find out because Fiala has had opportunities before, and you've been like, that's a really nice player, and then he sort of disappears. He went through a stretch here where he did anything but disappear, and his confidence soared, and you all of a sudden got this um, large, I guess, sample size of a guy who you look at his moves and his ability to score and his ability to completely make opponents look foolish, and you said, oh, my God. But the question then was, can that become consistent or, or at least something where that threat is there consistently. Because previous to that stretch, I think Kevin Fiala was good, but I don't think that we ever uh, saw him in the same light that we did in those 18 games before play stopped. My sense is that the ability, Declan, is for real, that the ability scream superstar. Sure. But what I need now is from a dead stop, can you start up again and do those things and, and on a nightly basis in a league where it's a grind and your confidence is going to wane, can you continue to look um, like that player on enough occasions where we say, okay, this is this is not a nice player. This is a great player. Because if you go back, Dex, and you take the best of Granlund, like if you just take Granlund's greatest games yeah. as, as a member of the Wild and watch those, you say to yourself, holy crap, yeah. this is off. But, but it wasn't there consistently and it didn't even come close and so what I think we're going to learn about Fiala fairly quickly here is was that 18 games that he went through was that a springboard to greatness or was that just an 18 game stretch where you said oh my gosh and now he comes back and he sort of goes back to being a nice player but also I don't it's probably not fair to say mentally checked out at times but I definitely didn't sense the intensity that we got once he got hot. Yeah, and I, hot. that's why I think Dean Evison's 
going to be this coach because he's enabled guys like that to be successful. And I think Kevin Fiala, yes, is a very, very nice player. I don't think it. I don't think he's a superstar yet. But you, you saw a confidence and a swagger from him that usually you don't even see in hockey. By the way, I think that's what I thoroughly enjoy. I brought, I broke down numerous times to you that I hate the norms in hockey. I hate, I hate the cult following that that goes with it. Some of the stuff with the code I get, and some I just, I'm absolutely puzzled by. I love a confident, a player who's oozing confidence like Kevin Fiala is. And if he can continue that, like I said, there's been a pause now. I mean, we just don't know. We just don't know if that guy's going to be basically. The, the guy he was before. But Absolutely. I think I think it, that player is in him. And if it's enabled by his coaching staff and his surrounding players, he can still be a vital member. So the, the Wild began play as an expansion team in 2000. I think in that time, and we had what? One year loss, so it's not the entire time. But I think in the time that they have been a franchise, there have been two players that I've seen over pretty much an extended period of time who you would pay the price of a ticket to go see. Gabrick at his best, Fiala. Isn't that remarkable? And I think and, that's and it. it. Was, and that was for eight weeks of Fiala. Right, but that's it. That's it. Two guys in that time, that's a long time, who you would say, not, I, I want to go see the hockey game tonight, but you would plunk down the money and say, I want to go see this, this player. player. Yes, 100% with Mark, you. An absolute marquee player. Kevin Fiala, when play stopped, was a marquee player. Question number five of the six that we uh, hopefully will learn when the Wild plays the Canucks. Does this give Miko Koivu a decent send-off? Now, some of us disagree, no question, on if the number nine eventually should go to the, the rafters at the X, okay? But in Koivu's defense, at one time he was a very good, good player. He's not there now, but he was a very good player. He's solid now. Spent Has spent 15 seasons with this franchise. He is 37. He blocked a, he could have been traded at the deadline, but he blocked that to stay here. Um, if you get Koivu back, and I know that the games wouldn't be at the X for him, but if you get Koivu back, it at least gives you a chance to sort of get him a, a send-off of sorts. It also removes any temptation from ownership to say, well, that wasn't fair. Let's bring him back for season number 16 in 2020-21. Personally, I think it's time to move on from Koivu. And I think it's time to start to change things up with that culture. But I also think for the years of service that he's given, it would be nice to give him a send-off that, that's more than, well, the season came to an end in Anaheim on March, I think, 8th. And that was basically it. That's sort of sad. It is sad. If that's the case. If that's the case, then I think he's, he'll have to just come back because, yeah, he doesn't want to go out like that. But I think they're going to, I, but I, they're going to have to tell him you can't come back. And that's why I don't know that Craig, I think Bill Guerin would say you can't come back. Bill Guerin would. Um, I don't know what, what Leopold would say, but this would answer the question of let's slap him on the back. Let's give, you know, let's say congratulations. And then that's it for you. At yeah, least here. I, I, I think it, it all depends if this return to play happens to, like you said, if, if the wild show up a little bit and Miko's able to at least play in a game or two. Before before the play the return to play is over, then maybe he's able to re- retire and go off into the sunset. But he is in a very tough spot, and I can't imagine what that would be like as a player. That you kind of like, if I was Miko, like this is probably the last year. Like I, I'm sure it's crept in his mind before the pause started, and like, by January, February after the trade deadline, where he probably thought, you know, I, I probably only got about a couple dozen games left here in my career, not just in Minnesota, but in my career. So. When that's paused and you don't get the closure, yep. and 
how difficult things can be in life when you don't have proper closure, sports or unsports, that can be very tough. So I, I can see a scenario where he wants to come back and it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll come down to the Wilds' decision makers. Do they want to bring him back? I, Judd, I really don't know. That's a hard question for me to ask. My, answer. My guess is when he, uh, he decided, and it was his right uh, through his contract, to block the trade at the deadline that Bill Guerin probably told him, okay, but this is going to be it. That's my guess. Maybe. That's because he had a chance to go elsewhere. And at that time, not foreseeing a pandemic, he had a chance to go somewhere where I think he could have probably helped a team win. Um, and I don't know now with the way that this is going to come down that he is going to be done playing. But I do think that in what Bill Guerin is trying to do and shift things here and change things, that he probably has to reset things a bit. And that's why I think Cuevo is probably not going to be welcomed back by the team. And it would just be it would be nice to see him get the opportunity to finish his career with three games, five games, I, I don't know, four games. I agree with you. All right, final question. Does Zach Parisi, Declan Goff, up his trade value in a qualifying round or perhaps more? Because I think he's gone. Bill Guerin came as close as you possibly can to, uh, to trading him to the Islanders at the deadline. Parisi clearly signed off on that trade. It got screwed up, I think, from Lamarillo and the Islanders side of, of things, but I don't think that it was anything to do with the Wild or Parisi saying no. Zach Parisi is going to be 36 on July 28th. This is not a dumb young man. This is not a dumb guy. Yeah, he He signed here to win a Stanley Cup. I think he's frustrated, and he should be, by the fact that that didn't come close to coming to fruition, okay? I agree. Uh, He had, in 69 games this season, 25 goals and 46 points. He's still a productive player. I think that on a winning team, Zach Parisi could be an incredibly productive third-line winger who could help a team win a Stanley Cup. The Wild is not that team. If he comes back, and I mean, he's he's still a good player. If he comes back, and impresses for three to five games or perhaps more. I think it's going to be fairly easy with him signing off, too, again, on a trade. Do you think that that series or perhaps more into a playoffs could help up his trade value? Pending an injury, Judd, I don't think there's anything that, I don't think there is anything that hurts his trade value. I, I, I think the fact that they were almost able to orchestrate it and pull the puppet strings to pull it off, which we all thought is, was impossible. We honestly thought it was impossible with the cap ramifications and everything else. The recapture. Yeah, the recapture language and all that goofy stuff. Yeah. And even like if the Wild got Andrew Ladd in return, like they were going to most likely just buy him out. So I, I'm sure the biggest hurdles were, number one, the Wild said, all right, we'll give you a Parisi, but, and we'll take the Ladd contract off your hands right. as a swap, but we need something else. We're not just going to trade Zach Parisi for Andrew Ladd to buy him out. Like that would be stupid if you were the Wild. So I'm sure that it was mostly the Wilds that we need one more other vital piece. And then also Lamarillo being the clinically insane person that he is. Figuring out the details got leaked and whatnot. I was like, I right, know it's screwed. I don't want to even have to deal with this, blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's any scenario where Zach Parise finishes his contract with the Wilds. Mm-hmm. I just now, I, I no longer see that as a possibility. Um, the only thing that would make him stay is if the Wild made a run in this play-in tournament. Like if the Wild made a significant run, Judd, yeah, that could change things. That, yeah, that changes sure. things, but I'm, sure. w- I'm with you that I think he is in the best interest and he understands that if I truly want to win the Cup, my best chances of doing it are not 
in Minnesota, or not here in Minnesota. Right. And, and the problem here, too, is that with the current construction of the roster, too much is asked of him now. If he could go to a really good team and be a third-line guy and work his ass off, which he does, and score some goals, which he does, it's a perfect fit. And if the Wild could bump him down, it would be a decent fit. But right now, they just can't. I know. So they, they basically have to ask him to skate for sure top six, sometimes top line, right? And and he's, Ryan Suter, in my opinion, is happy here. I think his family likes it here. Yeah. He's a good player, but I think he is, I I think if you went and said, your family's going to be, um have to move and, and there's going to be huge upheaval or Stanley Cup. I think he takes Doré. I think he's like, a Stanley Cup would be nice, but I'd rather have my family comfortable. Zach strikes me as the opposite. I think if you say, hey, you're going to have to either not see your family for an extended period of time or they're going to have to move, but you're going to win a Stanley Cup, I think he takes door B. I agree. I, I think. And I think I think it, it comes down to personalities. Right. I, I think he is in a more he's in a position where he wants to win a Stanley Cup more than Ryan Suter is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not that's not a knock on Ryan Suter. I just think Ryan is more happy and satisfied maybe that's a better word, satisfied with the situation he is in than Zach Parise is. And look, I, I, don't, and I, don't, fault e- I don't fault either guy for being complacent or wanting out. You know, that's, that's where they want to be right now. So I, I think Parise will not finish his contract here, and I don't think he gets traded this summer. You know, I, I'd be pretty surprised if it was this summer. Maybe it's next summer. When we actually have like a full year and another full season, I think they might. I think they might try. And they could, they could. But I I think um, as as more time goes on, I think it'll make it a little easier to trade them. Final thoughts? Uh, I'm I'm excited that sports are inching their way back, even though we're in a pandemic and also a very divided nation right now in 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 the world. Hey, sports can help heal, though, man. Sports can help heal. That's the one thing is is it, it might not be. It might not be a cure-all, but it's a it's something that can heal. Yes. And that's why sports is so nice. And and I think it's really missed now because how nice w- would it be if we just had like a baseball game or something? I know, man. I, it's it's a hot, humid day. I want nothing more than to sweat off the minimal weight I have and be drinking beer. You're not fat enough. All I right. know I'm not. Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan. We'll talk to you next week. Pass shoot square. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.